Hi there, this is Christian Horner. You've won the Austrian Grand Prix. <laughs> Hi, it's Alex Albon. Hi, I'm Max Verstappen, and you're listening to the Aston Martin Rebel Racing Podcast. Oh, this feels good. <laughs> Welcome back to Talking Bull, the official podcast of the Aston Martin Red Bull Racing Formula One team. And this episode of Talking Bull comes to you at unprecedented times, but hopefully this Aussie special gives you a little bit of light relief. Right before the cancellation of the Australian Grand Prix, we were lucky enough to sample some Aussie culture and catch up with the Red Bull Holden Racing supercar legends Jamie Wincup and Shane Van Gisbergen. And right before we had to practice some extreme social distancing, we were able to get Mick Doorn and son Jack into the studio to talk a little bit about Mick's career and how that now translates into mentoring his son through the Red Bull Junior program. While we didn't get to race at Albert Park, we we're still so stoked that we can share some classic tales from these Aussie motorsport legends to help you get by. First though, it's over to the Bulls who got stuck into some true blue Aussie activities on Melbourne Station Pier. Alex Albon, mate, what went down here for the listeners? It's quite a visual spectacle which people can watch on YouTube, but for the listeners, what went down here today? We ate Weetabix, we ate hot dogs, and we hung up our laundry, and that was pretty much the day it was exciting i feel like it was maybe a uh, red bull people trying to tell us to do our chores i don't know what was going on but it was fun we drove some eskies i think that's what they're called uh and uh for people who don't know it's a cool box with an engine on the back and uh it was a lot of fun we drove we drove a mini albert park and we had a couple of competitions and i lost so a little bit disappointed Got a few excuses up my uh, up my sleeve. I'm going to jump in here on the the loss. I'm not going to say you lost. I'm just going to say, I don't know if Max won. So what what do we? What are, there was a couple of interesting line selections. There was a bit going on out there. I think we'll need to review it with the FIA. I feel like there was a little bit of track limits, um, and also Max didn't do his laundry, which uh, doesn't doesn't surprise me to be honest. Didn't never saw him as a guy who does his laundry, but um, it was a bit disappointing. Yeah. Yeah, look, I, I, I'm on your side with this one. I really think that there were some questionable manoeuvres out there and we will be hearing uh, from Race Control. Yeah, I, I hope we review it. Obviously up to the guys back at the stewarding desk. I don't know who that is. Um, maybe, the, maybe the fans can decide. Now, we also had a bit of a uh, pretty rad host out here today. Uh, can, you, can you tell us who was uh, leading the charge here? Scotty, Scotty James, the great man himself, one of the, uh, the Aussie icons in the snowboard world. Yeah, it was very cool. Um, obviously, it wasn't any of our sport, but um, he clearly had all the slang down. Um, so he was telling us stuff which we had no idea what was going on. And then a hot dog arrived to our face. What do you call it? A sausage sizzler, but also a snag. Yeah, snag on bread. You, you know, you ever heard of Bunnings? Do you have Bunnings in the UK? No. What's that? So Bunnings is like our big hardware store, and it's famous for basically every Saturday morning you go there, it's two bucks, snag on bread. And it, store and it sells hot dogs. Yeah, every day. It's like, it's like Ikea for us then, with our meatballs. Yeah, yeah, kind of. But it's just like pretty much the most Australian thing you can do. It's also overrated in Australia. <laughs> overrated. Be, be careful. Uh, overrated? Ah, uh, It's like what we have as a chocolate penguin. Tim Tams. Tim Tams. you kidding right now? The most overrated product. <laughs> You're so close to water. For people listening, like we could literally push him off the edge of the water right now. Look. look. I've heard a lot of hype, obviously. Um, ever since I've come into Formula One, Tim Tams have been mentioned a few times. I think we have a few people from down under in Formula One. 
and all I can say is it doesn't work. It doesn't taste any better if you drink it through milk. I've, I've heard of this thing. That's all we've got time for today. <laughs> now, oh, look, I'm down with the dry wheat mix. The dry wheat mix call is complete. You completely fine to hate that, but a Tim Tam. Is a dry wheat mix a thing? You call it wheat mix. Yeah. You can have time to say wheat but uh, <laughs> but what is? Do you, do you eat it dry? Is that seriously? No. Okay. Okay. Well, that's that makes me feel a little bit better, but I'm still a little bit hungover the Tim Tams. So we're on the pier right now in Melbourne. Have you ever heard about the kind of ridiculousness of the weather in Melbourne? Because I woke up today and I am absolutely stunned. I can see six clouds and it's one of the best days I've ever experienced in Melbourne. So Melbourne really turned it on for this. Oh, I'm not even joking. This is like out of control good weather. Wow. Okay. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, for us, it's it feels good, but we're from the UK, so everything feels everything feels warmer. Yeah, I suppose I'm talking to someone from the UK. Like for us, I, I kind of just, if I come to live, like I'm in Australia, I just expect good weather all the time. That's like part of the reason to live here, right? For us, Melbourne's one of the best cities we go to. And weather obviously has a big part of that. And uh, I think we're just in a position where even when you guys think it's bad weather, it's good weather for us. Yeah. What's some of the stuff that you look forward to when you come to a city like Melbourne? Do you have stops on the series where you're like, oh, I'm really excited when I go here because I get to do this? Do you have, is there any, like, I guess, your guide to living a good life in Melbourne for the weekend that you're here? There's a few things. Um, food is really top. I'm not sure how it compares to other Australian cities, but maybe it's just Australia. The food is really good here. And it's very cultural, so you can have like good Asian food, good Italian food, good Australian food. But I've never had Australian food, so <laughs> you had some, but you didn't like it. Yeah, but I'm talking about like the real deal. I'm not being served Tim Tams <laughs> at a at a restaurant. I hope anyway. But yeah, I say the food, the coffee, and your brunches. We tend to to at least you do that for the first two days, and then by the time the weekend starts, we're actually fad out and we don't get to see much of much of the place and so racing wise obviously um first round of the season so much goes goes into it does doing this kind of like fun stuff on on the wednesday before does it kind of uh, does it lead you guys nicely into the weekend yeah i mean it helps that we drove the track as well a little bit we drove a mini version of it so we can get <laughs> we can get our eye in but um it is nice i think that's one of the perks with red bull we get to do crazy weird stuff like this uh, and fun stuff all right, we'll leave it there, mate. Did you win that race, Max? Of course. As well. So fair and square, like a full fair win yeah. in, in your books? The track did change a little bit for us, lap after lap. but I think, um, uh, I think Max did about 300 metres less than me. That's well, all I'm going to say. I did say. one lap and I already had to change my, my, my yeah. chassis, so uh, the, the chain came off. So uh, it's not very lovely. I'm, I'm going to make I, the excuse. I, I, got more Max, I think Max had about 0.5 more horsepower, which in these things is like double the engine. Yeah, but you're bigger. <laughs> I'm bigger. What's that, what are you trying to tell? What are you trying to say? Hey, power away. When you got two horsepower, bro, that, that extra weight matters. Thanks for joining us, brother. Right on, Max. How are you, mate? Not too bad. Not too bad. Can't complain. Good win today. Is it? Is it under? Have you heard if it's under race review still, or is this, is this just a clear win? I think it was fair and square. So the race win bonus will still be getting paid out to you for this? Unfortunately, there is no bonus attached to this. I heard there was. Mm, not for me. We need a Red Bull, guys. There's a, is there a bonus yeah, for this? Getting a Red Bull for free. It's always very nice, right? So paint, paint the picture of exactly uh, what went down here today for this little Wednesday morning uh, get-together. Obvious that you guys are quite competitive even when race, racing an esky. Yeah, 
I think uh, that is in our nature. Everybody is like that. When you are, are racing, I mean, it's fun, but of course you still uh, you don't want to lose. But um, yeah, it's good. It's a lot of fun. It's a bit different to our normal, let's say, media days and stuff. So I actually really enjoyed this, and I think it was a really nice event. They even put out uh, a Melbourne lookalike track, so they, uh, there was a lot of effort going into it, and I think that's very nice. We also had Scotty James here as a host, leading you through all things Australiana. Uh, did you enjoy... Alex was actually talking on the, uh, the Tim Tam. Were you not a fan of the Tim Tam? I would say it was interesting, yeah. Just interesting? Yeah, very interesting. It's a very un-Australian thing to say. I know you're not Australian, but it's quite, you know, most people are like, oh, yeah, we enjoy clogs. We like clogs when we, when we go to... I think it's just very interesting. <laughs> what about the dry wheat beaks? Um, exciting. I would not expect you to like that. That's not a thing that we actually do like. Yeah, Alex is trying to put some ketchup on it, but I don't think that's a, a great thing to do. But, uh, yeah, you know, you have to try those things and... Um, I think now we know what we can or, not, or cannot order. So how fast do you think we could really get these eskies going around this track? Do you think that there's some testing that you guys do? I would, I would try to um, get to 200. That would, be, that would be good. Safe top speed, you think, yeah. 200's like where it's at? I think that is, yeah, that's pretty safe. <laughs> was uh, any of the passing that you got done, was, was, did any of that come down to DRS, do you think? Mm, I did move down a bit, so I think... The, Arrow-wise, I was gaining a bit of top speed, um, but yeah, I was try, trying to get a bit of a DRS effect on it. <laughs> Did you get much of a like much downtime in this off-season? And sort of, what are you looking? Are you trying to get as far away from Formula One as possible, or do you just enjoy Formula One all year round? Well, I, you do take a little bit of a break, of course, from Formula One, but um, at home I'm still racing. I'm still on the simulator. I still do track days and and stuff like that, but not in a Formula One car. I think it's good to also try other stuff. Uh, even if it's just for fun um, and then just try to be at home as much as possible as well T- spend some time with family and, and friends because you are traveling a lot throughout the year so it's good to to catch up with them as well what is a fun car for you that's not a red bull formula one car gt cars stuff like that yeah and you get out and do track days on those yeah yeah absolutely um yeah it's just a bit of fun as well do you do you dabble in any other sports at all or are you just purely a four-wheel dude I did some two-wheel racing when I was little, but I think, uh, especially now, yeah, if I would, I it, yeah, if I would break something, that's not good for Formula One, of course. So. Now, with Melbourne, it's a city that's famous for uh, sport as well as the food and the, I guess, like that kind of uh, restaurant culture. Are you one of the guys that enjoys uh, that side of this city, or are you just sort of in here for the race? No, it's it's good to be around. Try a um, bit of local food as well. So, um, yeah, for me, it's always very nice to just um, try new things all the time. Well, cheers for joining us, mate. And, uh, yeah, thanks for being on Talking Ball. An exciting year uh, coming ahead, I'm sure. Yeah, well, uh, we'll definitely try our very best and uh, see where we end up. Cheers, mate. Thank you. I was lucky enough to sit down with Red Bull Holden's Jamie Winkup and Shane Van Gisbergen in the Talking Bull trailer at Albert Park. We chat about the differences between supercars and F1. And I find out from Shane what it's like to race against Max Verstappen online. Righto, boys. Should we get into it? I'm uh, in the uh, Talking Bull trailer here at the Melbourne F1 uh, with uh, Jamie Wincup, J-Dub and Shane Van Gisbergen. Boys, we're at it again. Melbourne. Here we go. Sun's out at the moment. Yes, yeah, sun's out. Gun's out, isn't it? Which is a bit weird for Melbourne. Yeah, it's good. I, I think uh, classic Melbourne weather, though. It's stinking hot for a few days, and then it uh, 
turn goes full full uh, full winter. But um, no, no, it's good. Shane, no rain, mate. Are you a bit upset about it? You like to be cold and wet. I, I don't understand why everyone says that. <laughs> because you're a Kiwi. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I want it to be sunny, but I think it's meant to rain tomorrow. So... Gonna just gonna dive right in. Obviously, Talking Bull is uh, Red Bull's Formula One uh, podcast, but for this episode, uh, it's Talking Bull Down Under. We wanted to give it an Australian flavour. Uh, obviously, you guys being the uh, the badass drivers of the uh, Red Bull Racing team here in Australia. A uh, couple things I want to touch on, Jamie. You've actually driven an F1 car. Uh, not only driven one, but you've driven one around Albert Park. Uh, so I want to talk a little bit about that. And then I also want to talk about SVG's rivalry with uh, Mark Verstappen um, <laughs> and their, their online, uh, their online uh, rivalry that apparently has emerged. So we'll dive into that. Uh, but Jamie, I want to talk a little bit about uh, your laps around uh, Albert Park. And yeah. I heard you say in the video that it was one of the, uh, the best eight minutes of your life. Yeah. Um, do you do you remember that experience? It's been a few years now. Do you still remember that experience quite vividly? Yeah, hundred percent. It was um, it was mega. It's probably one of the best things I've uh, I've done for a, for a long shot. Um, I think it was two thousand and ten, and it all uh, it all initiated from Jensen Button saying, "I want to drive a supercar." Really? Yeah, I want to, I want to drive a supercar. So we did a we basically they set up a car swap where he jumped in the supercar. But the but I think I reckon I won. You got the, I, I got, you to, got dr- I get to jump in the F one car for four laps around this place. So there was a little bit of construction going on on the main straight. So I wasn't flat down the main straight, but yeah. as soon as I got to turn one, I was flat from turn one all the way around again. Um, and it was nuts. It was just this. I, the only way I can explain it is. Uh, being a coyote strapped to a bloody rocket trying to get away from the roadrunner you know it was or trying to catch the roadrunner it was honestly i was i was sort of in control because i sort of i know i know a race car i know the steering wheel and the, and the pedals but uh but it was so out of control at the same time so much faster than anything i've ever experienced so wow. i was just hanging on to this thing you've got no chance of keeping your head off the headrest like you're just pinned on the really? headrest it's that full on. just hanging on to this thing and i actually i went out of the pits and I, and I just I spent as little time as possible warming the tyres up because I had no tyre warmers and I wanted to sort of get into it so I just I just did a heap of swerving and just tried to get as much temp as I could and not and not use up as much as my first lap as I could and then from about to turn four I'm like I'm, I'm up it from here on really? so I got up and I had a turn four through turn five to, through turn six and I was already like I was blown away by how much power the thing had and then I come down the end of the back straight off the end of the back straight and then the thing had double the power out of whatever that is what's the corner off the back straight at 13 or something thing had double the power out of 13 so what had happened how the, does that work well the car <laughs> the car was in like a limp mode because the oil temp was too low so it was so only, you I don't, thought you were I thought fast. I was flat I thought I was flat I was, I was bloody <laughs> impressed with how grunty this thing was oh. and then I got a load more power out of turn 13 wow. and just blowing away the thing was out of control fast um didn't really maximize the braking or the or the cornering you know because i i'd uh you know because that's where you can get unstuck th- yeah that <laughs> was yeah but i was just ma- just maximizing the acceleration of the thing and um yeah best best eight minutes i've ever done so how does that work and shane if you have you driven a, a formula one car or any of the big cars? i wouldn't fit in one man <laughs> yeah <laughs> probably yeah. um if you've got any questions because i'm not exactly as qualified to ask questions about formula one cars as i'm sure you are so if you've got any questions for jamie about the topic I'd be interested to see the angles that you would come from as well. But how intense was the training? Because I'm sure it's not 
like a Hertz rental <laughs> where yeah. they're like, you know, you rock up to the counter, you give them the license. Like, how much did you actually have to do well, to do that yeah, eight laps? Not a huge amount. Like, not a huge amount. We went out and did a track recce with. Uh, with Jensen, and we drove around a road car, and he told me, you know, yeah, this, this yeah, this corner's this gear and this speed. So he gave me a bit of a brief on, on what to do. Um, and then you just got to try and I bank sh- that in your memory. What I wanted to know from him, though, was what the limit was. So what do you tell me the limit, and then I'll back it off with my percentage. But <laughs> yeah. anyway, the the guy, the the t- not the so much a teamo, the guy that was running the the ride car program or the the car that we were driving, he was in the he was in the road car as well. So I'm yeah. saying to Jensen, so through the back chicane, are you flat through here in the back chicane? He's like, no, 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 it's a bit of a lift, bit of a lift through there. This is w- and and the guy that run the team thought I was just going to mirror what what is flat out you know what I mean <laughs> so he, we come back after the recce lap and oh mate like, hey guys we've got a bit of a problem here Jamie's going to he's going to end up binning this thing you know so he there was three Some or four three Yahoo or, is yeah, yeah, yeah. so then, the then I had all these people sit me down and tell me hey you got to take it easy this car this car's got to do the speed comparison all weekend and then it's going off to the other side of the world to get used you've just got to take it I said yeah no I was never going to I'm not going to go flat out yeah. out the pitch you know so uh, anyway got through all that but basically we did a seat fit to make sure I was comfortable um and in some way, an F1 car is the easiest car you'll ever drive. It's just got one big go pedal, one big stop pedal, and then you've got your steering wheel, which is really light and easier. But so for any, anyone could get in that car and drive around, you know. Really? But to find the, find the last few seconds, that's, that's where all the skill is. You know? So easiest car you'll ever drive. Once you get off the lot, the, the actual clutch is quite hard work. You know, it didn't. There was no real feel. It was just on or off. Yeah. But once you got going, it and is was the clutch on the actual on the wheel. The itself. clutch is a paddle behind the wheel. Yeah, right. yeah. And you just got to let that let let the clutch out. Give it some revs. You don't want to over rev the thing while you're standing still. So you're sort of a bit cautious on the revs. They gave me a bit of a push, and off I went. So it was how quite, how nervous were you? Yeah, fairly ner- not crazy. There's a bit half excited, half nervous. You know, you don't want to you don't want to do anything silly. Yeah. But you want to maximize the experience as well. You don't just want to drive around at half pace. You yeah. want to maximize the car and actually have a crack. So um, it was just trying to find that balance, you know, without don't bin it, but actually have a really good experience at the same time. And did you get to a point where you forgot that you were in that eight laps and you could kind of just let go and like really enjoy the experience or was it always in the back of your mind because I've ridden some like factory motocross bikes yeah and yep. uh, for a couple of the times the whole time I'm riding and I'm like I'm riding this bike I'm, I'm riding this yeah. bike I can't crash this bike and yeah I couldn't let go of that enough to enjoy it so I wonder yep. if you got to let go at any time to really enjoy it and be in the moment yeah, I did I did uh, maybe uh, maybe I didn't have too much care for, the, for how expensive <laughs> this car was and what I had to do but no I really uh, I was within my limit like I wasn't ragging it and using all the exit curbs and all that type of stuff but um, no 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 I was to be honest the, what blew you away is the little short straight so the corner off the end of the back straight you got a little 150 metres up into the next corner um, you go through turn 5 and there's a little straight up under the trees to turn six. It was those little sections that just blew you away of how how fast you get to the next corner, you know. Not so much just pin down the straight, 
or out. Or actually, if anything, the slow corners. I actually had less grip at the slow corners is what I did in the supercar. The supercar's got really good low speed grip, which is what Jensen was saying. He's yeah. going blown away by the low speed grip of uh, of the supercar, but it's just those those medium corners, the short straights at uh, Bloom. But no, I um, no, I, I I I was loving it, loving. It. I've really enjoyed the experience. Just blown away by how much power the thing had. Um, and yeah, as I say, best eight minutes ever. That's awesome. And so when Jensen did get, you guys got to sort of debrief, I guess, after the end of it, what were his main takeaways? And and even for you, Shane, like when people do drive the V8 supercars that come from other disciplines, I guess like what's the main takeaway that, that people get from those cars? Because they are very unique race cars um, in their own right. Yeah, no, they're good cars. We yeah, we we've got really cool cars to drive. So they all get out and go. That was that was cool. You know what I mean? They enjoyed the, they enjoyed the power and the thing popping away under brakes and the rawness. It's, yeah. it's a bit of a raw beast that that rolls around a fair bit as well. Um, I, I remember when Max drove our car. He's, he'd actually never used a gearbox. He'd never actually what? pulled a gear. He never pulled a gear. Yeah, he asked what the third pedal was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, so he's awesome. he just growing up with Tiptronic or just paddle shift. Yeah, never never had a gearbox. You know, that's so. actually blowing my mind right now that you can be like one of the best drivers in the world. But I guess yeah. it just goes to show like the way that you come up through the ranks yeah. to get to where you know you could go a million ways to get to F1 really yeah. in motorsport you know yeah. it just does all those old school things so kids that, like the kids these days if they got in a car with a wind up uh, wind down yeah. ready, uh, window they wouldn't have a clue what the hell is that thing no uh, no experience of it but yeah yeah no they, uh, they, they enjoyed they enjoyed the cars they get out with a smile on their face for sure that, that whole road to F1 is pretty crazy like if you think about um, Australian drivers like Daniel Ricciardo or Mark Webber, even I guess in like the MotoGP, like there is weird routes to get to F1. Like was that when you guys were growing up, and I'm I'm sure even in New Zealand it's even more of a crazy sort of route to get to be a professional race car driver. Like, does, is there any part when you guys are kids where you're like, I want to be an F1, and then you sort of slowly over the years like the path deviates, or or how does that kind of path in your mind work when you want to be a professional race car driver um it depends like i never set out to do that i just wanted to race and have fun and uh when i was growing up supercars was so massive in new zealand and there was three or four kiwi guys and murphy jason richards radisich they were all going really well and that's just what i wanted to do used to go out to pukekohe and watch racing and loved it and formula one never interests me it was boring they just follow each other and never race and supercars was was awesome so yeah, and when I started single-seaters, um, mum sort of made me do it. She's sick of me getting hurt on motorbikes. And, yeah, went racing and, yeah, started to go okay at it and went up the ranks. But I went into a Formula Series called Formula Toyota, um, yep. which was little wings and slicks things. And you don't have much downforce, but you just couldn't race each other. So I, I didn't enjoy it because you, you, the battles were boring. You just qualify and then you follow each other. So, yeah, I wanted to get into proper racing as quick as I could. And, yeah, I came here when I was 18 and, and went for it. But, yeah, certainly to go to Europe, especially nowadays, is... Um, you know the money that you got to have is so expensive yeah is that like the main difference i guess like in terms of the perspective of what you guys see as formula one is like professional race car drivers in a different discipline is it just that it's 
the money, like everything is just amplified to just a crazy level in Formula One. Like, is that sort of the take on it from the cars to the teams to the venues to the travel? I love the cars and the teams and looking at all the stuff and when you see the magnitude of everything, but it's the technology of everything, like looking at a car up close, like yeah. it's just a different world to what we're used to. On the same track, on the same weekend, they're 30 seconds quicker than we are. Like, yeah, can you get your head around that? Yeah. Like how you could go through it, like it makes sense? Because to me, it doesn't make sense. I'm like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't get it. Like, because even yeah. with the, our motocross stuff, it's like you see guys that could be yeah 30 seconds faster on a just around a dirt motocross track and you're like what are you doing <laughs> like how is this human yeah no you sit no you can it's you can and you can't you you go out there and practice and then you put a new set of tires on and go say two seconds faster and it's like night and day yeah it's like holy wow that was so much faster does it than, feel faster like yeah, can it feels you feel fa- two it feels seconds? faster yeah two seconds faster it's just it's just gripped up and whoa you get to the end of the lap and go really? wow and then to think oh we need another 28 seconds on top of that <laughs> it's just a different thing though yeah like I drove that LMP2 car a few or a month ago now what, what car is that? LMP2 it's like a prototype single single seater thing and yeah. it was at Adelaide tail and bend and it was 25 seconds quicker than what I'd done in the GD3 and wow. the, first, the first run I drove and just what the hell it looks too quick can't keep up and then the second run you're complaining about understeer oversteer you just get it's all relative you get yeah. used to it but the first run really was pretty eye opening <laughs> when we did our trip to Cape York it was yeah. like that for us because well for me like I'd never really just ridden a dirt bike flat out for a whole tank of fuel and then you sort of, you, I just, uh, you don't even want to be in fifth gear. And then, you know, a few <laughs> days into the trip, you're just like, you're clicking for a gear that's not there yeah. every time you, you hit that top gear. So yeah. the brain is pretty crazy how it does adapt to that kind of speed, yeah. right? Coming down the straight, you know, you're, you're mentally, you're not thinking about it. You mentally know what gear you're in. You just, just remember. But then once you pull a nut, once you pull seventh, you're like, where am I? You know what I mean? Then you get a bit lost on, your, yeah. your brain gets a bit lost on where, where you are. So you're six, okay, now I'm back six, five, four, three, down down a gear. But yeah, you just get used to it. Could you imagine the pace of an F1 season? Like mentally what you would have to be prepared for to go that fast for that long, for those many races all year with those guys around you like, you could get used to driving the car and you could get used to going that speed but is it a whole different thing to just be used to the overall intensity of of all the other aspects of racing or is that just part and parcel with it it's what you make it at the end of the day you're still just racing cars and (laughs) trying to beat everyone else so yeah i guess there's a bit more pressure here and you can put it more on yourself but yeah i don't know you still got to remember what you're doing and why you're doing it yeah and, and they're they're much better set up as well so to think for, for us to do that many rounds you know and be away f- be away from home for that long in our current setup then it wouldn't wouldn't really work you know we yeah. do we, we pack a bag you live out of your bag and you go away for five or six days and then go back again you know but these yeah. guys are on the road and they're really good at living on the road they've got all the facilities set up they they got trainers and chefs and the whole their their life away from home is really good where because we because we're only away for five or six days we just we, we're literally out of a bag you know mm. so uh, it's just yeah you just if you're if we were to do 
four, five more rounds a year, we'd have motorhomes and, you know, have people travelling around with us and be much better set up than what we are. But we, we don't need that at this stage. So. so, Shane, did you race you raced motocross stuff growing up, eh? Yeah, mainly four wheels. I was I did two wheels, but I was no good. So I was always so on quad bikes. So you're a quad dude? Yeah. It's all right. You ever heard the hashtag nuke the quads? <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'd probably be quicker than you. <laughs> probably, probably, I, I would not doubt that at all. So with the... Um, online stuff that you do so there was the the little comment yesterday safe travels mark what's what's your relationship with mark verstappen and how did that come about i can't explain that one unfortunately australians would get pissed off if i explained that one that should be enough (laughs) fair enough no he's he's all right he's um raced with him and lando a bit yeah on the old interwebs and yeah it's a bit of fun so explain to people what exactly you guys are doing because you're what game is it and like what format are you playing like how does it sort oh, of a bit work? of everything I just do it because I don't race enough you know I love use the sim just as a tool to keep practicing keep the mind sharp of racing and I think they do the same you know it's, um, they're getting pretty good now the simulators that you you know yeah yeah. Um, for me it's good concentrating on something for a long time yeah so uh are you playing like just PlayStation games or is there no, like simulators? That's a computer, yes. Yeah, okay. um, I got a Omen HP computer. They're pretty pretty good and new sim setup and everything. And I don't know much about computers, but yeah, it's all pretty cool. And so, do you do like F one stuff, or you do all types of cars? Everything, yeah. I, I like the rally, yeah. Oh right, yeah. And so, so Max is pretty into the online stuff as well, right? Yeah, and him, him and Lando race a fair bit, yeah. Yeah, right. So what mm. what's it like to be able to race with guys all over the world and I'm sure that there's like a level of respect that you have for Max as a race car driver a level of respect that he has for you as a race car driver like is it cool that the internet can kind of like bring you guys together in that sense yeah there's plenty of mates I have in GT in Europe and stuff race them too and Nick Foster who's an Aussie lives in England race together with him and yeah everyone's normal the same on there you just do it for a bit of fun and are there any like because you see any, all the video games and stuff, you like watch like Fortnite and stuff, you see 10-year-olds that are just talking sh- through the headsets and they're just like waxing everybody. Is there any of that that goes down? Like, have you got any 10-year-olds that smoke you and Max? No, I got Mark, yeah. <laughs> well, I guess he's like 12. Yeah. But is there like those young kids out yeah. there that can just shred on those things? Yeah. Do you reckon that... that um, I'm pretty sure Red Bull did a thing where they had like an esports competition and then they um, awarded the winner of like the simulator stuff an actual test or a drive like do you think that it could translate or is there how different is it yeah not day I don't think anyone has ever come just from sim to be a race car driver there's people who have done racing then won a sim comp to come racing again but it's too different like yeah. it's the way it all is you don't get the movement you don't get the feel and yeah I don't think it's possible really I heard the other day that you just got an e-bike as well yeah so how's are you going to flame me on that too no I'm flamed on anything you did about the quads <laughs> it's a quad though <laughs> e-bikes are actually cool because <laughs> yeah. old uh, old J-Dub's pretty handy on a mountain bike has he flamed you for having an e-bike actually uh, not or completely. are you a fan of the e-bike <laughs> no I'm not sure I'm not sure you're not sold yet I'm not sold yet but I'm not sure well, I'm, sure. I'm team e-bike on this one, so we're, we're good. Oh, yeah, yeah you, you've you converted? Yeah, or? well, because I don't ride enough these I, days. I just like it for the long uphill stuff. I actually don't run it on that much, but yeah. the long uphills, you just flick the power on and it 
Oh, makes so you, you turn it off at times? Yeah, well, most of the guys I go riding with are just on normal bikes, so. But that's hard for you, though, because they're heavy no, bikes. Yeah, but I like the grip it makes. It's got yeah. wider tyres and down the hills and stuff. It's actually really good and flows quite good. Yeah. But, yeah, up the long hills, the weight kills you, so I just crank it up and ride past them. <laughs> yeah, have you ri- so you haven't ridden one? Oh, I've never much. ridden one, which oh, you've I've never ridden one, it. so that's why it. I can't really comment. So I've yeah. got I've to get on and ha- give it a crack. Just but makes you enjoy the uphill stuff because the uphill stuff is yeah. just a grind and you're struggling with tree roots and yeah. that. It's like and a moto. The, the traditionist says, "Oh, it's you know you're cheating. You know it's it's easy." But I had some people swearing at me on the weekend as I passed them up. Did you? Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So no, I'm definitely not one of those. You know what I mean? I'm not a yeah. traditionalist or anything. I, I just you can you can put out the same output as far as oh, exercise totally goes. Agree, you just yeah. end up riding twice as far. So yeah. that's that's in some way that's a good thing. The, the way that they handle, too, is so good. They handle so much more like a moto, and yeah, they're yeah. so much more stable. You want to talk about, like, low-speed grip? Like, they really do have actual low-speed grip because yeah. there's just more more weight and it's more down low. But I, I agree, like, I like them for the fact that, you know, if you go out to Narang and you've got an hour, your hour of power on an e-bike is, like, 25Ks, yeah. whereas your hour of power in the afternoon on a normal bike is only... You know, yeah. you haven't got that long, Half, yeah. you know, to, to sort of ride. You're not covering that much trail. So are you more comfortable, like, ripping down a hill on a motorbike or a, or a mountain bike? Oh, uh, mountain bike. I mountain reckon. bike, yeah, because yeah. the thing won't, it, you kind of won't land on top of you, I guess. Yeah, and, like, that, but the e-bike's, like, the perfect transition, In I reckon. The middle, yeah. Like, yeah. they're so, when they first come out, I was like, yeah, this thing, this thing's ridiculous. And they've got the ones that have, like, the the triple clamp forks on the front now as well so you can even go you can go pretty hard (laughs) on the things but so with the mountain bike like you're a massive mountain biker and then uh, are you just getting into it a bit or yeah i kept riding the motorbike over summer and stuff but i just get scared of getting hurt so i do feel a bit safer on the on the e-bike and then it's good training as well but the moto stuff to get most out of it training I feel like I'm on the edge of crashing all the time so (laughs) I can't be doing that there is a risk in anything that you guys do like uh, (laughs) kiteboarding (laughs) going out (laughs) a million million not wins but there's a risk element of cross training in a but in a way that's fun because it's like you guys do have to be fit and you do have to stay sharp mentally and and all those things to be professional race car drivers but then anything that you do that can kind of give you that same buzz is kind of sketchy yeah. so it's like how do you guys manage that that risk yeah, you, got, you got to live your life at the same time as well and the boss understands that of course you know you can't go do anything stupid and hurt yourself and um you know jeopardize the hard work that 50 odd people in the team have done but at the same time you got to live your life and and if you live your life in cotton wool for three weeks in between two race meetings then you probably end up getting just slow and soft you know you got to got to get out there and we we both love it we both love the mountain biking dirt biking not you know getting the go-kart every now and again you know having a, having a bit of fun as well so the, the boss understands that just yeah. controlled stupidity we call it <laughs> <laughs> controlled stupidity do you get better <laughs> managing that like the more experienced you get is it something that comes with like age and time <laughs> well yeah five years ago i wouldn't have worried about crashing on the bike just gone flat out yeah, so yeah. you think about it more but it's the same we just love 
adrenaline and what we do if you just train in the gym or just running i just get bored so yes yeah, so i keep like, doing stuff you guys are like professional like loose units <laughs> like, really you know what i mean it's like okay we want you to be this professional crazy dude uh but we also just want you to use a skier in between yeah, yeah. in between races and the mountain bike's quite good for filling that motocross gap i reckon because yeah. i i grew up grew up in melbourne and we used to go dirt biking just trail bike riding dirt biking through the outskirts of melbourne you know every at least every month or so and we get five or six guys together and we just we just go in and go 100k stop at a local local um like pub for have a counter meal and then ride all the way back the afternoon you know so when i moved from moved from melbourne to queensland and then it was so hot and so dusty up there and that there wasn't really that many um motocross sort of opportunities so it was getting pretty dangerous as well because so much dust so um sold the dirt bike and i really missed it i missed it for years you know like gee i just want to go dirt biking again uh, and then uh, I think your brother introduced me to mountain biking. Did Matty actually get you into it? I reckon he did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, have a crack. Well, him or Courtney? Courtney yeah. Action. Uh, said have a crack, and I went, oh, okay, yeah, well, yeah, why not? Looking for something new, and I uh, had a crack, and it really f- filled that that hole of of my uh, dirt biking days, you know, with, with my mates through the bush. Yeah, there is like the the crazy social aspect to it as well. Yeah. That's like really fun, isn't it? The thing with that the moto. I always wished I could like talk shit on my mates while we were <laughs> riding, but you could never do it. And like with the mountain bike, yeah, you kind of actually can. Yeah, you can. You'd be yelling I've out or something. From you you can only half hear them, but it doesn't matter. You're yelling through the, through the gorge. <laughs> oh, that's funny. How much uh, on a race weekend? Because you guys are obviously super busy basically all the time on these weekends, but do you get to stop and enjoy? the fact that we are at an F1 event? Is it something that factors in or are you guys just all sort of business and, and trying to do your own thing? Not enough. Not enough. We'd, we'd love to be, you know, cruising around and having a bit of a look and, you know, trying to embrace the event. But um, we've, got our, we've got a fairly strict agenda going on. Right. Oh, well, thanks very much for coming on, boys. Really appreciate you guys being on the uh, Talking Bull Down Under uh, episode of this podcast from the, from the legends at Red Bull. Thanks, thanks boys. Mate. Thank you. It's pretty safe to say that motorsport is a family business for the Doons. Mick shares some tales from his MotoGP days, and we asked Jack what it's like to be a Red Bull junior and what he's learning from his dad. All right, so for the uh, Talking Bull podcast, we uh, we were doing this setup in in Melbourne uh, in our trailer, uh, but that got cancelled, obviously. Um, so we thought we'd get Mick doing and Jack doing into uh, into the studio today to to round up this episode of Talking Bull, uh, gentlemen. How's it going? Yeah, it's quiet. You know, there's uh, a lot of disruption happening out there, but, um, you know, everyone's got to sort of adhere to the uh, regulations and keeping everyone safe and the distancing uh, spaces that you've got to provide each other here. So, you know, let's get through it and hopefully we come out the other side and we can get on with life again. Yeah, no, that's it. So, Jack, a bit of uh, bit of sim racing time for you. Well, I guess, like, you've pretty much got like the perfect quarantine compound right you can do the go-karts you can do the the simulator stuff are you just is this fine for you to go into this quarantine situation um obviously it's not like ideal because we'd want to be racing over in europe but um yeah i've probably got it better than most um with the the kart track the carts um a simulator which helps with all the eye racing and the different programs so yeah no obviously it it enables me to be able to do more on that side of things um, and hopefully come out better. So is it kind of, uh, 
is it kind of cool to be in the situation where like you're getting uh i guess like interviewed with your dad like obviously your dad's accomplished so much and then you're on that same trajectory like is it kind of cool to um to be in that situation where we're sort of we can talk a little bit about mixed racing and then we're talking about your racing as well yeah um obviously he's like oh i'm at a completely different stage in my career and i haven't really to um to any standard like accomplished much compared to anything that dad's done um so hopefully um i'm on that same track and i can work towards that um but yeah i've never really been in in this situation yeah no i mean it must be it must be even a proud moment for you in a way to where it's like because where jack and what he's doing is like a standalone thing you know like he's in in four wheels and and he is on that trajectory um i'm sure it's a lot different to the way that you had to come up with your racing um but nevertheless i mean you know walking his own path no absolutely i think it's good as well that he's doing his own thing you know four wheels there's still a lot of pressure on him the name doing rightly or wrongly gives him a little bit of uh, pressure and um but you know that's what you need anyway you've got to push through and you know a lot of things is different but a lot of things are the same mm. you know the work ethic the, the desire to achieve and and the non-stop persistence at, at aiming to, to to grab a hold of that goal so you know as you, as you mentioned he's um jack's in the early stages of a career it's sort of it's it's sort of now ramping up it's getting towards a a pointier end where it gets harder and harder and harder so you've got to push harder and harder and harder and, and those things are the same so you know but it's it's, it's cool to sit here and, and uh, have a few interviews with jack you know together and um you know you know i feel he's got the talent of course because i'm his father but he's also got to work hard to 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 beat the other guys who have talent as well so well you know exactly what it takes and i'm sure that everybody has bad days i'm sure jack has days where like it just doesn't feel like putting in the effort and then there'll be other days where he's going above and beyond what's it is it hard for you to kind of like look from a, a distance in a way and not put too much of that um but you know because i guess it, there'd be like a balance there right <clears throat> no absolutely but i mean the balance uh, i think for me anyway it was a desire always to want to just better myself so it never felt like a hard day you know even if it was a you didn't feel right you just get on and do it you know and then like anything like coming to work some days you don't feel like coming to work once you're here it's actually not too bad yeah you know so it's just getting over that initial hump but you need to just keep pushing yourself because you don't know what the other guys are doing so if Mm. you've mentally prepared yourself and physically prepared yourself and and then, um, you know, practically prepared yourself, being in a car or whatever you can do, sim, you know, then all you can do is do the best you can. And, I, and you know, you never know what the other guys are doing, so you just got to do it better. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> well, it's, it's been cool. Like, we've been, we've been around Jack for a while now, uh, just in the, I guess, a professional and a friend sense. And it's been cool even over the last couple of years for me to see, like, how much that you have progressed in it it seems like from my perspective that you're in like this place now where you're really starting to think like these are the steps that i've got to take now to be a formula one uh driver and doing it with red bull like you've got these really clear goals and it seems like it's kind of gone away from a I guess it's like always a, a a goal down the road but it seems like we're sort of getting closer now to it do you feel like that that it's starting to be like real now obviously i'd really like to um and that is the main goal to go to formula one 
but as well there's other like there's another 30 kids on the, on the yeah. Formula one grid that would be in that same sense think oh, i'm now on the, on the f1 paddock and on that weekend i've now got a shot where there's a there's 21 20 guys on the f1 grid now and probably in the next few years only two three maybe max five spots are gonna gonna come available mm. to the current f2 guys and f3 guys so it's 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 difficult to obviously you you want to kind of keep believing and you will um but yeah i'm hoping that you know having the opportunity now to be on that program and in that kind of space where if you do perform you have the right people watching you yeah hopefully yeah. i can um keep moving up and keep progressing i think to follow on with that i think jack <clears throat> has put himself into a position now as over the last two years of, of car racing to be in in fia f3 and to be you know which is on the same platform as f1 yeah so now really the work begins yeah i think you know as, as you just mentioned that anything's possible from here but you've got to work harder because yeah. every other kid on the grid in f2 and f3 feel the same that they're going in that direction towards f1 and no different than moto gp no different to a lot of other sports there's only mm. there's only a few people at any given time can get get a position into the top the, the the pinnacle of the sport so back to what i was saying you need to work harder you need to just you know brush off everything and just remain fo mm. focused on your goals and you know hopefully jack's um sort of recognizing that and that's why he's got him he's got himself to where he is yeah. now and you know from now it's really up to him as well because he's just got to keep pushing himself to um to enable himself to get to that top level if if he doesn't get there well he can't you know for me i always say at least and if you don't get there at least you sort of a couple of years down the track you don't reflect back and go oh, geez if i wish yeah I would have just done it like that or done it like this and and i think having made it all the way through to the top and then also knowing other f1 guys and mm. and people from other other disciplines whether it be you know golf or whatever have made it at the top the mindset's the same mm. and i think that's you know jack certainly got that but you know because he's only young it's certainly you know he's still evolving how how much he puts into play yeah do you remember the do you remember like what it, the experience was like for you at jack's age well, at Jack's age, I was I wasn't even racing. I was in between dirt bike racing and and road racing. You know, yeah. it was a whole different era back then. You know, yeah. You that know, makes nowadays sense. Um, nowadays everyone's into this. You, you need to be in a car at fifteen. You need to be on a bike at fifteen. You know, like I mean, in racing at a high level. Yeah. <clears throat> so, um, you know, I think I was the youngest in MotoGP, what five hundred it was called then, and I was twenty two you know going on 23 so yeah right you know, that's so, so difference now yeah now you're a you're veteran 20, if you're 22 that's right so you know so equally you know there's still guys you know hamilton's no uh no spring chicken any longer but you know so and but <clears throat> but those guys were young when they were coming in and they were about 20 years old i think what mm. reichen was maybe 19 something like that so you know they've moved the goalposts a little bit for these guys trying to get to f1 at 18 now but but still, it's a, it's a young man's sport as mm. far as you've got to be in it straight away. So, But to answer your question, I guess, in a, in a different fashion, not being 17, but at a different age group, I should say. Yeah. But, you know, once, once I could see that there's a potential to, to, to realise a dream, then I just never stopped working towards it. You know? mm. so no matter what it took, I was just... Uh, I was just on to it. You know, rightly or wrongly, I probably brushed a few things and people aside. But, I mean, 
kind of takes that though, right? It's got to. You've got to. You got to put everything in. It's a funny thing when you look at like the ego that it takes to be the best in the world at something. It's like there's seven <clears> billion <throat> people on the planet, and you're like, nah, I'm going to be the best. Like, there's a bit of ego <laughs> well, that I has to go a, into I that. I think there's right? a different ego. I think you know, if you think you're good, you're generally not. I think believing you're good, something different. You yeah. Know? So, <laughs> there's like you know, a balance there, though, there, right? There because, is. You yeah. Know, like, there's a lot of people who, who think they're good and, you know, they've done nothing, you know. There's, um, whereas everybody, you know, 99% of the people I've met in, in all walks of life, whether it be business, yeah, you know, sport, uh, music or whatever, the good guys really are just down-to-earth people. Yeah. But they believe in what they do. Yeah. You know, whereas the other guys, you know, they... They, you know they've had a little bit of success and that's where they sit because you know mm. they, you know how good i am and there's a difference between believing and wanting people to know how good you are you know i don't know how many people i don't know like how public knowledge it is like how hard you work to this day in business but it's like it's obviously just like a life ethos that you've just it's just something that's stuck with you forever and it's like whether it was to win a 500 MotoGP world title or to achieve the things you have like there's just something that doing's <laughs> obviously have that's just like you just can't know. really stop I think stop. Jack thinks I'm mad sometimes and you know and, <laughs> and I push him as much as I can you know he's my son as well my son as well so I've got to be careful you know and he just yeah. thinks I'm an old bastard that you know what would I know but uh, you know which is which is understandable as yeah. well you know because you know he, he doesn't well, it'd be hard to have the relationship of like, okay, dad, I get it. You're like the one of the best MotoGP dudes of all time. But it's like, because you would, there's like that element where it's like, yeah, you're just the dad that's Mick. But then there's also would be like that MotoGP dude. Like, was that hard for you to find that kind of balance of like respecting the champion and then like respecting the dad at the same time? From whenever I can remember, I was really into bikes and that's all I really wanted to do and I think it was only from really when I got into school and I started to get a little bit older that I don't think it was too late in life but yeah. I really understood um, and then I really find out who, who dad is because it's not like he was really trying to enforce it or, yeah. um, or push anything really upon me or, or who he was to like kind of imply any pressure or anything. Um, so yeah, it's kind of always just been my, my regular dad obviously. Um, I've got him as a as a huge idol and someone that i know i can always take advice and um and learn off <laughs> it's hard is he putting it on for the camera here for you or what <laughs> no i know take that a, i do take, yeah. but in, take advice i think i think it's always tough you know from for any father-son yeah. relationship yeah. you know i think he thinks i'm criticizing him if i say something to him so you know if i would say something to you and you tell him he'll listen to you yeah you know and um so that's you know and i understand that so you know there's got to be a, a little bit yeah uh, you know but i guess back. there's less of this of that now anyway yeah but uh, because jack's in a different level of of where he's at anyway that um you know and now it's just refining really refining and mm. you know the metal space i think is a thing that he can now he, he can now develop so you're in like the red bull junior team so how does that whole process work and has it been like a pretty cool experience to like be a part of that? Yeah, definitely. Um, I've been an athlete since I was 11. Um, and then when we were in my first year in Europe um, racing carts, I think then halfway through the season, we were announced into the, into the Red Bull junior team. And then basically that was the step because um, they obviously provide the, the pathway to Formula One if you can perform. So then I was into Formula Four, um, into the British Formula Four. 
And then we completed that season. Obviously, I had a, had a teammate who was in the Rebel Junior team as well, so it creates a, a quite good rivalry because we all we both want the same end yeah. goal, in the same spot. Um, and obviously, there's more than one driver in the program, but there's not say eight or nine Red Bull F1 seats there. Mm. So um, they kind of try and pitch you against each other to try and see you know who comes out who comes out the best. Um, obviously, in the same equipment and the same team and with um, working with each other. So uh, going up the ranks um, as well again this year, there is, I've got three other guys in the Red Bull Junior program. Um, now, I don't have one in my team, but um, there's a, two others in the in the high-tech team and one other just recently announced in the Shrews, so I think there's going to be quite a, a, a lot of competitiveness. Yeah, in, in the, the F3, F3 um, <coughs> grid this year. So it's quite a lot of Red Bull Juniors there and obviously we are, going to be wanting to progress into f2 um but it, we've all got to you know be the best red bull junior team driver out there and that's what we all want so i think aside from all our other competitors we all want to be the best mm. red bull driver as well um like in any other academy um but i think this is the first time where there's been you know quite a new a number a numerous amount of red bull drivers on the same grid yeah and what's it what's your I guess like your take on um, how that can help a, a kid being in an environment like that in terms of like, I guess there would be the exposure to uh, a program that actually has a Formula One team and then forcing competition with people like it. What are the kind of benefits that you saw with that program? Look, um, the junior team, I think, is, is good. It gives it gives the drivers a bunch of tools, you know, the simulator. Mm. Um, dealing with the media um, and and again a bit of pressure you know whereas outside of the team you know Jack uh, touched on it briefly but I think the pressure of actually having to perform mm. you know and and not perhaps being chosen for the following year yeah you know is always there and that's the same you know as further you go up the sport you know if you're becoming a paid driver you know, a professional driver, you know, your seat's always basically, you know, yeah. you're, just a, you're just a spare part, you yeah. know. There's another part they can replace you with and there's a lot of people sitting there behind wanting, wanting to be in Jack's position or mm. the other driver's position. So so for me, the Red Bull program, <clears throat> a lot of people say it's ruthless. It may be, but again... But so is Formula One you in know, general. And again, so it, it makes the guys, you know, when the going gets tough, the tough get going, basically. Mm. And, and really, this just highlights that a little bit. Puts them under a bit of pressure, makes them have to perform. But equally, as Jack mentioned, he, he wants to beat his teammate, and that's mm. going to be the same. If he does get to Formula One, he's going to want to beat his teammate. And, you know, there is a bit of rivalry in between all the Red Bull guys. So, you know, so that's a good thing. So, but... You know, the rest of it, it does enable them to just also see a clearer path, I guess. So have you had any races where you felt the pressure and then you messed up and it was because of that pressure? And then on the flip side of that, like, do you remember kind of any lessons or like growing from that pressure to where you were like, okay, I actually feel like I could handle this better now? It was probably like my first year in Formula 4. Um, the round three, the British F, um, British Formula Four at this track in Thruxton, and me and my teammate qualified. We were the, the quickest there. Practice, we were first. I was first. He was second, and then qualifying, he pulled it, and I was P two. And then <laughs> off the start, we both got a good launch, um, and literally, it's a quick 
first um, turn one, turn two, flat out, and it follows to right, left into a right. So then after the first right, I tried to go to the out. There was a little bit of a space on the on the right side before going into the turn two, um, and it was a, a very marginal space. <laughs> um, and he obviously didn't want to, you know, give it up either uh, because we go we we're both going for the first rookie to get the first win even though it was on lap one of a 20-minute <laughs> race. <laughs> so I didn't really, we were both kind of in the same boat. And um, yeah, and I went in and obviously he didn't want to give it up. I didn't want to give it up. And we made contact. I unfortunately ended up coming off second best and spun out. Um, luckily, didn't go into the wall, but, you know, dropped back to last um, and then had to come back through. So I think that definitely made me realise, you know, um, that sometimes... As well in motor racing, I think as a as a clear thing, you don't win the race on that one. But as well, um, just to, to pick the time better and not try and you know overload the pressure as much at an early stage and be calmer overall and try not to you know try and picture obviously as a Red Bull car and my Red Bull Junior Team teammate that I want to beat, but also try and mix it in just like it's another one of my normal competitors mm. and not have to I think I have to get past him straight away and you think you learned a, a bit about like after that crash because like it, it obviously sucks and I'm sure there would have been a lot of like emotions in the moment but then you think that you actually carried that lesson through you know these next seasons that you've kind of been in yeah um definitely even just like on that same same weekend um it was race three me and him were again starting first and second um and it was quite hairy for the first five laps and i just obviously listening from race one and i did cop a, a fair amount of, <laughs> a fair amount of um, smack from from everyone really um because i definitely had the, the speed to to win the race and i it wasn't necessary but it was a, a rookie mistake that i think it was you know good to make early in the season um probably not at that point when i had that amount of pace but it had to be made and then yeah the, the third race i was able to buy my time a little bit more and wait for him to make a mistake and then we we're able to, to get past and i think just you know that learning curve and having that happen in race one then enabled mm. me to be able to then you know bite my time and, and make it obviously in a cleaner place or wait for him to make a mistake after applying on the pressure to go on and, and win the race so when you drove the formula your formula one car experience how how was that and like can you can you imagine being i mean obviously it's not like you have to imagine too hard what racing is like but in a car and especially like an open wheeled car where any contact is so critical to the car like does your do you think that that f1 uh, experience that you had kind of has given you some insight into that kind of racing no not really you know wasn't so enough it um you know i think i can imagine what the what the racing's like anyway but yeah that, you know that was a media day basically you know a few laps and then plenty of press and yeah you know, right myself and the um tommy mackinan who was a world rally champion oh right and uh and then uh, jacques villeneuve we all had the same sponsor essentially and we're all world champions at that year so it was a it was just a um a, a demo basically run you know whereas i managed to crash it and tommy managed to crash it twice in total <laughs> you know so i don't think uh, frank williams was too happy at the end of it oh well wow. um but you know that's hectic <laughs> so all you guys just made a total mess of that day but you know mclaren offered me oh ron dennis used to offer me all the time to come and test the car you know but i was never really interested in the cars you yeah know, so. right 
I did a few race of champions and things like that. But I mean, you know, I, I, at the end of the day, I think the racing's the same. You know, you want to yeah. make clean passes. You want to, you don't want to make contact because you never know who's going to come off best <laughs> yeah. on the contact. You know, so sometimes you even think, you know, I'll do this, and he's going to be the one spinning, and and it happens the other way that somebody you you end up being the one spinning, and um, and a bit the same with bikes. You know, you can't really make contact. You know, yeah, you can, you can belt elbows a little bit and and force a, force the issue, but. But it's best to be clean, and I think that's that's the same in four or two wheels. You know, you've got to be decisive. And yeah. I think Jack, you know, reflected on that a little bit, which is waiting for his teammate to make a small mistake or to see an opening and just and then just um, make the pass. And you know, touch wood, Jack's pretty good at at making clean passes. You know, the one thing he does do well is is when he does pass, it's it's a it's a clear, decisive pass. And and whether bikes or cars, that's that's the main thing is just to yeah to to get it done quickly and 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 cleanly, and then less chance of uh, rubbing wheels. But as you say, if you uh, a full a four wheel car, an open wheel car, uh, well, I guess they're all four wheels, aren't they, cars? <laughs> oh, I mean, no, they they do make some weird stuff but, uh, with, with three. But um, but you know, clipping wheels isn't isn't sensational, is it? You know, so no. it is for the television. That's about all. But I mean. Uh, so um, you know, I've never had that experience of doing that other than the odd go kart race. So. Do you still get into the go karts at home at all? You probably don't have that much time, I guess. <laughs> a little bit, I do. Yeah. So no, I can still manage. Uh, Is he handy? You know, for a few laps. <laughs> <laughs> Does but, that is that competitive urge like when say you guys get out on the go kart track together? Yeah. Like how heavy is that urge? The competitive urge still? Yeah, I know. As he says, for a lap or two, and then <laughs> and then I'm not doing that much of it. So I get uh, you know. I'm just nowhere near conditioned enough to be able to compete with somebody like Jack or, or some of the other guys that, that are driving carts all the time. So, you know, I do a lap and it's fairly ragged. So, you know, <laughs> so then the I head. just give it up and do five laps and pull in. You know. <laughs> so, uh, but, uh, you know, in, in years gone by, I used to do quite a bit of karting. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's something that there's something so fun about carts. Like, I feel like, I mean, I guess that's why they're just all over the world. Like, you can go and rent one at basically any city. There's definitely something super fun about that uh, experience of carting and carting with your mates as well. No, absolutely. No, they're good fun. and uh, But, you know, the same as, as I say, if you start clipping wheels, it's uh, anything could happen and the rollovers do. So, you know, thankfully now they've got a little bit more protection around them than years ago. But but uh, a lot of fun. And, um, you know, and then they're quite high speed, some of these ones, yeah. especially the ones that these guys are now you know driving and testing and uh testing themselves in so it's quite good so we'll close it up with uh maybe one of your favorite stories from the australian gp because this was my first um oz gp and i was there for two days i didn't get to see a formula one car hit hit the road at all uh do you have any you weren't uh, there for the two-seater running around in the morning no i was there but i was working (laughs) but what do you have some like really fun memories and favorite memories because you were close with schumacher or are close with schumacher but i mean at, at formula one events it's just you know to show up and watch or whatever so but, you know, the amount of motorsport events I've been to over True. the years, you know, from, from Indy 500s to, um, to um, I haven't been to a NASCAR, I have, I don't, I don't know, but, you know, V8 supercars to, you know, 
all different formats of world motocross races to supercross to yeah so i've got so many different stories so i think that's another podcast (laughs) (laughs) completely (laughs) but uh but you know generally because i enjoy motorsport i enjoy every every facet of it you know whether it's hanging out in the, the pits watching you know what people are doing as you say jack analyzing different things you know at, at the circuit the same type of thing so you know and then there's some off-track activities which is again probably another podcast as well <laughs> but i mean <laughs> but there's so many different uh, there's so many good times i've had being involved with motorsport as long as i've been involved that um you know uh, to highlight one particular story i think i need to be led down that story (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah put on the spot um jack uh i guess final final thoughts from you mate what's what's uh what's going to be going on for these next couple years for you hopefully the situation gets better um the covid19 and we can get back racing as quick as possible and yeah hopefully the, the f3 calendar goes ahead um, and we can, if it's shortened or not, um, and we can, you know, get the season started and hopefully have a, a good year, um, be performing you know, up on the podium most weekends, just trying to, to get out there and be performing, if not winning. So that would be a, a definitely um, what we want to do this year. And yeah, keep progressing, um, keep going up and, until really, you know, it's it's clearly not, not possible, but hopefully that is a, a last resort. Um, yeah, I'd just like to to get the opportunity and obviously you need to do that you need to be performing and hopefully to get the formula one because um, it's it's why we're here it's what we're it's what we're doing you know otherwise you know, what's the point if if that's not going to be the end goal um then i don't think you know if you're not going to put the effort not going to put the time in then it's obviously a, a lot of waste of money for for dad um his time in europe you know traveling all over the world for me as well with mixing in work so it's a huge family commitment um and for everyone for the team you know working they all they all want to be winning as well so in the end it, it comes down to me and just wanting to to extract the best out, out of myself um obviously i i think i have the speed and, and the talent to do it but that's just one side of it um you know obviously then there's a whole another ball game that comes into the thing so i think if i can connect all the dots together um and be the best you know me that i can be when i'm out on track and off the track then hopefully yeah we can get to that end goal um whether in the in the next year or two well mate i've um i've enjoyed uh the small part of watching what you've done over the last few years already and uh yeah i can definitely see the the work that you put in and uh it's been cool been really cool to watch and it's been really cool to have uh two generations of doings in the studio uh so i really appreciate your time for uh, coming on to the uh red bull talking bull podcast and uh maybe the next time jack's on it'll be uh because he's in one of those two red bull seats or uh, uh in the in the formula one class so appreciate yeah, the time be, boys. that'd be nice yeah <laughs> thanks mate can't wait for that cheers. cheers boys well thank you so much guys for listening to this special edition of talking bull down under stay safe and look after yourselves Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform so that you're the first to hear about future episodes. We'll leave you with a brand new track from the Red Bull family. This one's called Big Ups. Enjoy. you doing all that's just not my place yeah uh, doing me can't choose all the things that come my way uh, ain't got no-
nothing for me, I'm not gon' bother I'm on my movie, I'm not your father More life, more drink, one time, no bad vibrations Yeah, running plays, let me show you what the team do Calling out the bush, it's me too You ain't seen the full clip, just the previews If you talk, AP, I don't see you Slow wine, I show you how a king move So much paper, you'd have thought I was illegal Got some bars for your sweet too, trick or treat, dude Haters and frenemies and everyone in between you Hate your fine Friday night had to bust one wine. Feel the baseline in your waistline. Why you so negative? Let them all talk, they ain't relevant. Baby girl, you can just stay a bit. Calm down, we can just settle this. Yeah. Inhale, exhale, breathe slow, rewind. Calm down, y'all now. You already know From the Almighty, no time for haters trying to get it like me. I see you over there trying to bite me. No negativity, we ain't fighting. Making no comment, waste my time. Yeah, we'll be fine. Bump and wine, no kissing, right? That's the greatness, yeah, that's mine. Blessings in life for me. Make me go and chop money. money. Do me sorry, ain't sorry. sorry. Pull up on me, fire only. Yeah. 